New KLP. A viral interview with Cat Williams is still rubbing some the wrong way as entertainers and comedians continue to respond and share their thoughts when it comes to the infamous Club Shay Shay interview. On Friday, before wrapping up his radio show, without naming names but obviously using Sharp and Williams' interview as a reference, Steve Harvey would talk about black celebrities attacking each other online for the profit of other people. Harvey began this rant by mentioning how some YouTube creators have come up with an artificial intelligence page negatively targeted towards black celebrities. Harvey's closing remarks was sent around those creators making fake stories on black entertainers. Harvey will warn his listeners that these fictitious stories are not coming from local blogs who, who will use black television shows to build their network. Stations like Fox, UPN, and the WB have all been guilty of this. Harvey would then explain the reason why they do this. It's because research shows that African Americans watch 40% more TV than anyone else. If they can get them to tune in, they'll have a guaranteed audience, and once the station gets the numbers they want, they begin canceling those same black shows. And negatively after negativity after negativity, all out of a way to capitalize and monetize it themselves. But we keep doing it ourselves, and keep wondering why we ain't getting nowhere. So while you're on this podcast trying to blame one another for why you ain't successful, you the reason. Harvey's statement would continue as it began to explain how some of these negative stories gain life and spread throughout the internet, with new angles and how white people and executives continue to profit off the drama. He would go on to say, somebody does a story about a celebrity and is negative, and it gets all these clicks. Well, in order for you to get some new clicks, you add something new to that story. Harvey would seemingly take a shot at Shannon Sharp without mentioning specific names. In response to how well the interview was received, Sharp had previously stated he gained over 500,000 new subscribers after his viral Cat Williams interview. Sharp had told viewers they would have done the same thing too. However, Harvey would beg to differ that he wouldn't have done the same thing as Sharp, most likely due to the negative energy that was put out in the air because of it. So what do you guys think about Steve Harvey's subliminal message to Cat Williams and Shanna Sharp? On Monday, after much anticipation, comedian Jess Hilarious finally made her debut as the third co-host of The Breakfast Club, alongside DJ Envy and Charlemagne the God. Her debut episode as an official co-host appears to have been met with mixed reviews, as folks online have began to share their opinion. One user on social media was shared that they already missed Jess's replacement, Angela Yee, who left the show at the end of 2022 for her own radio show. The social media user would write, Angela Yee needs to go back to The Breakfast Club. I don't know about no Jess Hilarious. Another with a more optimistic about the future of the long-running radio show, they said, I'm ready to see what The Breakfast Club has in store for Jess Hilarious. Now, although there was a mix of positive and negative reviews in response to Jess's first episode, the chemistry appears to be present as the comedian got her feet wet on the show last year by filling in several times. In addition to the response by fans Kamala Harris, Shannon Sharp, 
Chad Ochocinco and Angela Yee herself would congratulate Jess on the new gig. One user on Twitter wasn't too excited at the latest addition to the show, saying, Congrats to Jess Hilarious, but I'll def be listening to The Breakfast Club a little less now that she's co-hosting. It just feels like she does lazy reporting on certain things. Very annoying. Another would agree and say, I don't think Jess Hilarious should be the host on The Breakfast Club. She isn't entertaining to me at all. Despite that, one Twitter user would share the opposite opinion saying, I absolutely love the move to make Jess Hilarious the new host of The Breakfast Club. One more would add, I can't front, Jess Hilarious works well as the new Breakfast Club host. Now, the show stirred up a bit of controversy in the last few weeks as many assumed Jess would not become the new host after announcing she got the job with no follow-up. Hosts DJ Envy and Charlemagne did their part to add the fuel to the fire by neither confirming or denying Jess's whereabouts at the top of the year, when many expected her to start. This would lead to several blogs falsely theorizing and coming up with their own conspiracies as to why Jess was absent in January. Last week, DJ Envy would speak to Page Six to discuss the false rumors that were put out. I think one of the funniest theories was when we got back from vacation. They said Jess worked one day and got fired that day. Mind you, she did not work at all. She hasn't been to the city and won't be until February the 5th. We are hearing a lot of fake news in these hating comments. We were actually doing a photo shoot at the time and these people online are talking about Jess didn't get the job. What is going to happen to Jess now? It just goes to show that is what happens when too many people have a microphone or a computer in front of them. But what do you guys think of Jess Hilarious as the new co-host of The Breakfast Club? Will you be listening and tuning in? Let us know in the comments below. And from one host to another, congratulations Jess Hilarious. So there's a story, and this we're going to start the show today, that Mike Vrabel, who's about six four and a half, big guy, good looking big guy, a physical football player, um, you know, a tough guy, football players are tough, that his size intimidated people. And that's why some people didn't want to hire him. If the Rock was five foot three and a half, 140 pounds, he wouldn't be the Rock, he'd be the Pebble. Size matters. Taller men make more money. It's not an opinion. Look it up. And Mike Vrabel, if he was 5'6", would be somewhat intimidating. He's a tough guy. He's kind of intense looking. Right? He's going to pitch it crap. He's got that sort of Boston personality. But I actually see it as an advantage. I'll give you an example. If you told me who are the toughest four football coaches in the NFL, if they all got into a fight, I'd say Mike Tomlin, Dan Campbell, Vrabel, and Jim Harbaugh. And I do think their size and physicality, it's easier to relate to some players. And uh, those, those coaches' teams are all known as physical and tough. Vrabel's teams, Tomlin's teams, uh, Harbaugh's teams, physicality. They have an alpha, it bleeds to the team. I think you can connect with certain players, relate to former players, and again, taller men make more money. Size does matter. Um, I think this is NFL teams losing sight of Vrabel's greatest gift, and that's communication. Nick Saban's five seven and a half, intimidating, great communicator. Mike McDaniel five nine, great communicator. Sean McVay five ten, great communicator. Dan Campbell, six five and a half, 
built like a house. Great communicator. That's what this sport is. And big men sometimes are better communicators because players connect with them. Not all the time. Where you get in trouble with big men in and out of football is when they've used it as a crutch since high school. They're known as meatheads. That's not Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel's really sharp, gets the game, great communicator. Was I surprised he didn't get one of the eight jobs? No, because he's really smart. So is, in my opinion, Ben Johnson. And they both thought the best job and the only great job was Justin Herbert and the Chargers. And both Ben Johnson and Vrabel are smart enough to realize if you don't have a really good quarterback, it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. Go ask Bill Belichick. Next year, you could have five to seven B-plus and above quarterbacks that need a coach. So, um, I thought he was the best coach available that didn't get a job. I consider him, right now in 2024, the best coach available. Because Bill Belichick is not as collaborative and clearly offensively not as current. But um, if a GM is worried about being intimidated, then it's probably a team you don't want to work for. It really is. But is intimidation relevant? Does size matter? Yes, I see it as an advantage. As long as you're not a meathead who's relied on that size since high school to get your way, and Vrabel has it. He was always one of the more thoughtful players. He was always a thoughtful coach, got to an AFC championship with a B to a B minus quarterback, multiple division titles, six years, four wins. It's not his problem. Will Levis couldn't get him to the promised land. All right. So one of the things that is an epidemic in this country, and boy, do you see it on social media, guys, women don't, guys struggle to admit they're wrong. The Giants on Daniel Jones. He's not it. Now he can't even stay healthy. What are you doing? So, um, I didn't think the Clippers would work with James Harden. Man, was I wrong. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I started really, really watching them closely. Remember, they were like 0-5 when they put him together. It was a mess. Then they got hot. They right now have the best, easiest offense in the league. I watched them drop 149 last night. They have the number one offensive rating. The Paul George Kawhi combo is number one in the league, plus 346. They get a great look every time down the floor. They don't have a single player in the NBA in the top 35 usage rate. Not one. The ball moves. This is the best offense in the league. It's, the, it's an absolute joy to watch. Much more watchable on most nights than the Lakers, than the Bucks, even the Celtics. It is a blast to watch. All their stars have bought in, and that's the key when you have multiple stars. Russell Westbrook's like, all come off the bench. Let me tell you something. This Westbrook is fantastic. He had a great pass last night. He's a more willing defender. He's absolute energy. Their bench is excellent. They've got real scoring. 
Terrence Mann, Kawhi, Paul George, Harden, uh, Coffee. They've got nothing but guys. And I watched them last night, and here's the great thing about them. All these stars and one guy has a ring Kawhi, and he's got a couple of them. So all these guys now are rich. They're all famous. They're all trying to get a ring. Westbrook, Harden, Paul George, um, veteran, and here's the other thing. They've got all the boxes. Veteran point guard helps in the playoffs. Two great wings, scores and defenders, huge in the playoffs. Solid bench, size and plum lead, and Zubac, experienced head coach, experienced players in the playoffs. I have no problem acknowledging, wow was I wrong on this puppy. Lob City, remember Lob City, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. Wasn't a ton of substance to it. Blake Griffin couldn't hit a perimeter shot, DeAndre Jordan can't do anything but dunk, and Chris Paul's more distribution than score. Lob City was a lot of flash and fun, but there wasn't a lot of substance to it. This team is all substance. They defend on the wing, smart veteran point guard who can distribute, bench scoring, veteran coach, multiple bigs. Have I have no problem admitting I was wrong. I, I watched them four or five games in a row now and watched most of the game. I watched the second half last night. It is unbelievable how easily they move the ball and get a shot. They get a great look virtually every time down the floor. And that's not the way the NBA works. There's a lot of forced threes and forced shots. They get a great look every time down the floor. Kawhi doesn't have to start the offense. Either does Paul George. They've got guards to do it. Westbrook's energy off the bench. This is a great basketball team and absolutely capable of winning the championship. There's not a doubt in my mind. You can play all the defense you want. Teams winning the titles get the buckets down the stretch. This team gets a great look with great offensive performers every possession to the end. Chris Mannix yesterday on this team. If they're not the favorite to win the championship in June, they are in a small group of teams that you would consider that. James Harden, as he did in Philadelphia, let's be clear on that, has adapted his game to make it work playing opposite Paul George and opposite of Kawhi Leonard. Russell Westbrook did not sulk, did not you know, throw a fit. He went out and accepted that sixth man role. So the fact that these guys who have been pretty obstinate to change for most of their careers, guys that have been like, you know, I'm me, I'm gonna do me, and that's kind of the way it's gonna be. They have adapted beautifully in this role for the Clippers. Ty Lu is a guy, I said this when they got James Harden, I said if anybody can make it work, it's Ty Lu. He had to deal with dysfunction as a player, dysfunction as a coach, but he's gotten these guys to buy into it. And, um, you know, a lot of people complain about the NBA, the aesthetics of it. There's too many three-pointers. They do mid-range, they drive, they score at the rim, they hit three-pointers, starters, bench, energy. Totally wrong. I was totally wrong. And I'll say this, a, t a joy to watch. Really fun basketball to watch. Score low, mid-range, perimeter, can score in transition. Wow, was I wrong about this one.